Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 4th of June 2012. For newcomers, I always suggest you should make use of the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com because there's uh, well over a thousand audios up there for download and you'll start to understand the system, the real system you've been born into, uh, a system that pulled the wool over your grandparents' eyes, your parents' eyes, and maybe your eyes too. And it's designed that way, scientifically designed to keep you living in a fake reality, a reality projected by the media for the rest of your lives, augmented to by movies and even ridiculous things like history channels that's utter nonsense. And you're given a fake reality to do with everything on behalf of your masters, mind you, those who really run the world, the ones who jet all over the planet and have great times and big to-dos with each other and big parties. And you're never supposed to catch on what's really happening. You all try to get as far as you can in this society. Most of you fail because it's rigged to ensure that you can't win at anything. And to win at anything, you've got to be born into right families, and you've got to get to know the right circles. They call them circles. And uh, there's overlapping circles. And if you're born into the right family with the right overlapping circle, you can be a moron and still rake in millions of dollars and billions, in fact, because uh, you don't have to do uh, your own investments and so on. It's all done for you by the, the, the high accountants and investment companies, which you can actually afford. Quite simple, really. So you're living through a system designed by others to make sure that they themselves will go on down through time, while the people down below simply are the real machine that makes it all happen, people who do the actual produce and make things and so on. Have yourself to all those audios and you'll start to catch on how it was set up, uh, the, the foundations that were behind it that were simply fronts for the big banking families. And there's not many banking families that lend internationally, believe you me. And how they have armies and armies of NGOs. They also finance all the universities to ensure they teach the right kind of propaganda in their doctrines, such as global warming, so that when they leave office or, or university, they, they get office jobs in government positions and environment positions to brainwash the rest of us. So you're living in a very, very scientifically controlled society, and the big wigs talked about this an awful long time ago. That's what they would bring in. Now, remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you. You can help me keep going by buying the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And you can also donate. And how to do it is on the, the website, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. All those sites listed there are the official sites. They all carry audios and transcripts in English, too, for print-up. And if you want transcripts in other languages, go into AlanWattsSentinel.eu for those ones. Remember, too that from the U.S. to Canada, you can still use personal checks and international postal money orders from the post box, the post office, and you can also use PayPal or send cash. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. Remember, straight donations are welcome in these uh, R, R times. They call them the recession times, R times. I don't want to say D times, like depression, but of course, for, for a lot of folk, it's already depression, and it has been for a long, long time. 
We're living in a, a fixed, rigged system where the big boys themselves know exactly where they're going. And even when they collapse the solar systems, it's just amazing how they come out, they come out from under the rubble unscathed at the top and continue as though nothing had happened at all. If anything, they've got more cash than ever because we tend to bail them out. What a system, eh, where you can always bail out the same few people with your money. Uh, but uh, when it comes down to you and you don't balance your budgets uh, at the bottom level, you lose everything and the, the court mocks you and everything else. And there's no government aid coming to help you. It's only for the special ones who run you, you know, the, the Magi, uh, that that's available for on a massive scale too. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back carrying through the matrix and we, we do live in crazy times. It's, it's supposed to appear crazy to us at the bottom as we see all the cannibals all over the place and uh, zombie attacks, etc. And I'm sure behind all of this there's a lot of psychiatrists as well that are coordinating their efforts to make sure that things go kind of crazy because they have done this before, you know. They definitely are heavily involved with the military-industrial complex and testing certain people in society and actually encourage them to do crazy things. You find that with all amazing things that happen in a horrific scale, they're all, they've all been seeing psychiatrists. And it's interesting to even follow up the psychiatrists and see who they are and what they're associated with because often they work directly with military units in society, in civilian streets, you might say. So... I won't go too much into all that, about the sudden eating people uh, idea. I'm sure a whole bunch of movies will come out to augment the zombie movies now. And um, and even the latest one, I think, was a, a, a doctor in Sweden who was from Iran, but he, he married a, a young woman, probably a Swedish woman, and he suspected an affair, so he cut off her lips and, and fried them and ate them. I mean, it's just getting crazier and crazier. As folk get obsessed with food, you know, lip smacking good and all that. So that's the kind of world we're living in today. As the world seems to be going down the tubes, and it is going down the tubes technically, but it's a controlled dive uh, to do with uh, inflation and uh, quantitative easing is a term they prefer to use now. It sounds better than uh, depression or recessions. The, the quantitative easing where they inflate the, the price of everything by pumping out more notes. It's not bad being a banker, is it? I mean, really, you're responsible apparently for nothing that goes wrong. You can't really do anything wrong. It doesn't matter what you try to do even to make it wrong and, and you break every rule in the book. Nothing happens. I mean, it's like a, it's, it's probably even above royalty in a sense with what they're allowed to get away with in their own strange legal system at the top. But, uh, yeah, they can plunder whole countries. And they, all they have is little inquiries. And inquiries have kind of an unofficial get-together and little questions are asked, but you can't make any judgments uh, or legal judgments on the inquiry. You just ask your opinion, and they always tell you they're doing God's work uh, as they loot you. Uh, I mean, you don't understand who this God is here, uh, the, the piracy God, I guess. But apart from that, as I say, we get all these crazy things happening and you wonder if it's all to distract you from all the global meetings that are going on as the big boys who own the planet basically outright um, move towards the next step of carbon taxes and outright plunder 
uh, again. And it's that real distraction. But you, you, they go to incredible lengths of madness, you know, the, the far left, for instance. And this has been portrayed in many movies uh, and comedy movies, uh, right down to, I think it was Woody Allen did one, where the guy takes over for the far left and he tells him all he's got to start speaking Swedish uh, in Latin America. And then he says, you have to wear your underwear outside, so you're all equal. Uh, and, and, and mad, crazy things like that. Now, some of that's actually based on, on, on truth, not exactly the same, but that's how it, it goes when the fanatics take over. And you have to be careful about who you, you, you boot out and who you bring in, because sometimes you, even for, through revolutions, you bring in something worse than you had before, if that's possibly imaginable. But in Australia, they have their own fanatics there, and uh, uh, the big media campaigns and so on always build up a leader to, to lead the, the radical nutcases. And in Australia, as Tim Flannery, he's one of them, and he calls for the removal of toxic teeth from dead people to save the planet, you understand. He says, green freaks are just too funny to take seriously. Australia is on the brink of imposing the world's biggest carbon tax price and the Gillard uh, government is scurrying around like headless chickens, trying to convince people that it'll be good for them, you know, getting taxed into the grave. And the planet, it says, I mean, who wouldn't want to pay more in taxes to a spendthrift government? Taxes which will do nothing to lower the temperature of the earth. We're all lining up, ready to be, and he uses the B word for those who can figure that one out. It says, Gillard, even, or Gillard even, has even pledged to rip a further $10 billion out of the economy for a green energy fund and to pay the bribe uh, the Green Party demanded by pushing the legislation through. It says, which will invest in those new pie-in-the-sky, still not effective green pet projects, which apparently will create millions of new green jobs any day now to replace all those which will be lost under the carbon tax pricing. I'm not sure why Europe, and especially Green, the green, uh, Greece doesn't jump on this uh, sure-to-win bandwagon of job creation. It's not like Spain lost 2.5 private, uh, million private jobs for every new green job and are now to also bankrupt and have stopped supporting the green industry. No way. It says Gillard doesn't seem to know what she's doing, so Greece should be investing all their money into imposing green taxes, which will fund new green jobs, which will save Europe, because that's the stuff they get in Australia, you see. Apparently save everything. So, this nutter, uh, Tim Flannery, who is a paleontologist, actually, to Slee Bones, it says, uh, he, he's, the, he's the champion for all the Greens over there, and he's made uh, some radical statements in the past, but uh, he wants to remove all uh, people's fillings before they get cremated to save the planet. And all you'll need really is a pair of pliers. Mind you, if it's bought from the government, they'll cost millions of dollars, these pliers, you know, the same ones you'd buy in a hardware store for a, a couple of bucks from China. But that's the way it goes when it goes through government uh, hands. You see, everything suddenly becomes holy, very, very holy, and, and therefore more expensive. But I'll put this article up tonight for those who are interested in the craziness and the, the madness that's coming down the pike as everybody in Australia gets put under this carbon tax, massive carbon. I literally, I, I, this, is the, this is better than the king has no clothes. It's a lot of nonsense. Uh, it was Rothschild himself in Britain who came up with the idea of carbon taxes and a, a carbon economy, which will all go through his private bank, his family's private bank in Switzerland, the family bank. Now, you can imagine the interest alone that he'll collect with 
billions of dollars per, per night going through his banks. Just, just the interest alone. Seven days a week. Incredible. Over, it's like the fresh air tax. It's the same sort of thing that, that was brought up by one of the stewards, uh, centuries ago. The fresh air tax. They also called it the light tax. That's why you see so many old houses where they bricked up the, the, the windows so they wouldn't have to pay all these taxes per window paying for letting the light through or the air through. Well, this is an even better one now, carbon taxes. You've got volcanoes spewing all over the planet right now, uh, creating CO2 that you wouldn't believe, and lots of other things too. But it doesn't matter. It's you nasty humans, because you're alive, it's your duty to pay uh, for breathing. For breathing, folks. And who better to do it than people like the Rothschilds that have plundered the planets, this planet over and over and over again over centuries. And we're all supposed to go along with this piracy. Are you going to go along with this piracy? You better start making your decisions before it becomes normal, like new normals. And if we'll get locked up for it. I'm not kidding you. It's time to stop the utter madness of the chronology that's been pushed upon the general population. And stop listening to idiots put up at the top that, that prattled off on the news as it was all quite neat, quite real. It's all very real, you know. Now, I'm also putting a, a, a link today too with, uh, to do with Luca Rocco Magnota, the guy who changed his name to Luca Rocco Magnota. It's a sort of breakdown on uh, what it really means. Uh, in the underworld, I would say the underworld in which he belonged, of course, as a male prostitute, basically, it seems. And they caught him in Germany, of course. And um, there's even a video link to one of his, I guess it must be a gay station somewhere, or, or homosexual, let's call it what it is, homosexual, isn't it? A state, uh, uh, video up there where he boasts about being an escort, uh, an escort for wealthy people. But anyway, I'll put this up about the ne- meaning of the name. And uh, from someone's uh, perspective, and you can prove that for yourselves. Because they do, they choose these names for purposes, as you well know. And I think his real name was Newman, and he changed it to this uh, Magnota. Uh, so you can check that out for yourselves. Now, we know that coming down the pike, we've, we've had, we get world meetings one after another now. There's so many of them all through the United Nations and different departments of the United Nations. We've had the NATO meeting in Chicago, and there was another big climate meeting held there too, uh, not uh, around about the same time. And, of course, then we have the Bilderberg meeting, and then we have uh, another meeting to do with the Rio de Janeiro, Rio Plus 20 meeting coming up this month, and that's going to be the big the big clangor, because in this one, which every country signs into law, the Rio meetings, uh, everyone signs it into law, that's when you're going to get hammered with carbon taxes and more, vastly more redistribution of your wealth, meaning more taxes on you to throw across the planet, a la Karl Marx, you see. And, of course, Maurice Strong is going to be there, the guy who has descended from international revolutionaries down through generations of them, in fact, and who also supposedly has uh, one of his ancestors actually from China who came over to help uh, design the new system for the West of communism, worked with Russia too. We do know that Maurice Strong's uh, aunt, I think it was, 
and he's got cousins as well, lived in China, and they were close friends of Ma Zedong during, during the revolution. So you can look uh, all this up for yourselves. Anyway, he'll be there at Rio, uh, Mr. Maurice Strong. It says Brazil's biggest, they're going to, what they're first going to do is make it pretty for them. They got to, wherever these big boys get moved in to have their meetings, they've got to do things that make it all pretty. Make it all pretty for them. Any eyesore has to be removed. Anybody lying in the street, you know, with, with syringes sticking out all over them has to be removed, that kind of thing. Wherever the leak go, that happens, you know. You've got to tidy it up, not to offend the eyes of the rich and wealthy. The panel got very, it's so simple to offend the eyes of these characters. And I'll talk about that when I come back from this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about the annual meetings and this actual meeting of Rio de Janeiro for the Air Summit is 20 years from the last one and it's going to be a real doozy. The last one was a doozy. Most folk didn't notice it or even know what, what effects it had. But they brought in the last time the Millennium Goals, Millennium Goals that they wanted to have every country uh, sign on to to alter society in such a way that they'd be ready for the next part. And we have been. Uh, the idea, too, is to get people off the land into the, the, the crumbling cities, you know, crammed together like rats for a generation till they die off. And that's why it ties in with their timelines at United Nations and with all the other think tanks that work uh, with the military, for instance, like Department of Defense, where they can confidently say, but after the year 2050, there'll be a plummet and population. The reason being, you see, no one will have children. Most of them won't have children, uh, and they'll all be disease-ridden and so on, and they'll simply die off uh, across the whole planet, all, all of a sudden, just like that, you see. So uh, this is all part of it, too. The Millennium Goals is part of it. They also call it Agenda 21 or Agenda for the 21st Century, and it, it's literally where big government creates more big agencies, uh, to rule over your lives until you can't plant a daisy if you want to, you need permission, and they probably won't give you the permission even for that. It's, it's a totalitarian control freak society run by something that's a, a fairly new creation when you look at all the different types of um, systems down through history and factions that have fought each other and so on. Environmentalists, you see. It's like, it's like, why are you? Are you Catholic? No, I'm, a, I'm an environmentalist. Oh, yeah, I see, you're an environmentalist. Like, somehow they're bestowed some holy halo on them for choosing this particular path in life. And you don't really need much education on it at all because you can use your imagination to the limit in, in the climate camps to do with global warming and climate change and all that kind of stuff. So the sky's the limit. It's a kind of new priesthood, in other words. And they raise it to a holy status when it, when it suits some of those the big boys in the media and academia. And then eventually, once it's, it's run its course and done what it was there to do, which is basically get a, the system changed for all of us minions at the bottom, then they'll just dump it in, in favor for something else. But anyway, it says Brazil's biggest rubbish dump, its biggest rubbish dump is to close in Rio de Janeiro. Because, you see, you can't offend all these wealthy people who turn up there and who are flown in their private jets, you know, spewing carbon all over the sky. And... 
people lying on the streets sick and vomiting and, and full of syringes is, is kind of nasty for their party atmosphere. It just doesn't go well. And plus two, Brazil has to get all the prostitutes in and checked out to make sure they can clear up any of the minor uh, STDs, infections, that they might have. Because these guests are big time into big parties where they kind of share lots of people, as you well know from previous articles we've talked about before. And this is nothing new. This is what they do all the time. Cleaning up a dump, for instance, and making it look all kind of nice and icy. Even with fake frames and fronts, I've done that before too. Even for the Queen passing in different countries. Can't have her seeing all the riffraff living in cardboard shacks in Africa. But anyway, it says Brazil's biggest open-air landfill has been closed on the outskirts of Rio de Janeiro after 34 years in operation. This is the Jardim Gramacho dump. A mountain of rubbish near the city's main airport will be replaced by a modern recycling plant. We'll all pay for that, I guarantee you. It'll be through some global grant. It says the move, uh, while welcomed by environmentalists, that's those special priests. You, know, if you, you should join them. You can join them if you want. There's no qualifications necessary. Uh, it's expected to leave more than 1,700 people out of work. For decades, rubbish pickers have made their living by manually selecting materials to be recycled. And a small group of pickers, known locally as Catadores, joined Brazilian Environmental Minister Isabela Teixeira and Rio Mayor Eduardo Teixeira in a brief ceremony to mark the end of the facility. Uh, Gromacho will become a reference in sustainable development and an example to be followed by other dumps in Brazil, said Minister Isabela Teixeira. Uh, worker, so it shows you the massive dump and all the rest of it. But... Um, a lot of folk, folk did get off drugs and eventually make their living recycling this stuff, like many other countries. But so that's, I guess, they'll be back on the drugs and and so on once this is all all the work goes away from them. Anyway, they're going to put that up to make it look all nice because you can't offend the eyes of the elite; they're very, very sensitive. And um, it says here too that uh, for decades environments had denounced the open-air landfill, which received 9,000 tons of rubbish a day. The rotting rubbish generates greenhouse gases, or oh, here we go again, greenhouse gases, which will now be turned into fuel. And runoff from the piles of rubbish also leaked into the nearby sea, adding to the pollution in Rio's Guanabara Bay, it says. The Catadores were paid to pluck from the smelly piles of rubbish whatever pieces could be used for recycling. And... Um, so it's a pity that they're going to, they'll be out on, on, you know, looking for work shortly. And no doubt that the world will pay for this new recycling plant uh, to get put in. It's quite amazing. It's a great business, you know, recycling, because I can remember talking years ago to the con in Canada, some of the guys involved in the con. And the con was to train the public, you know, that actually went through, the business guys were sitting at a table, I listened to them. And they approached this other multimillionaire. It wasn't me, of course, but not another multimillionaire. But the says, do you want to get on this plastic scam and getting raised up? And the guy wasn't too sure about it. And he says, well, he says, look, it's quite easy. The, the, the TV and the media and I'll, I'll give us all the free advertising we want to train the public to recycle for us so it doesn't cost us anything. The people themselves will separate all their garbage in the right boxes. This, the, the, the province will ship it down to our factory, which the government gives a grant to build, and we get all our materials for free. That's what recycling is all about, folks. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're just going around this crazy world. It's not so crazy actually because everything fits into everything else. In actual fact, the way everything is run and uh, even your distractions fit into things too to make sure you're distracted away from other things at the right times. And we're, we're, it's scientifically controlled really the whole media. Not difficult when all your stories come through basically two wires as they call it, two systems that are owned by Rothschild. But it says here, report, it comes out of uh, Germany, it says Israel is outfitting German subs with nukes, nukes, that's uh, nuclear weaponry. It's a German news magazine, Der Spiegel, has published a report that claims submarines purchased by Israel from Germany are being armed with nuclear weapons after their delivery. Three of the submarines in question were recently sold to Israel, with the government, uh, the German government picking up part of the tab. Only in Israel would you get that deal, eh? Uh, well, 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 it's a bit steep. Don't worry, we'll we'll pay most of it for you. There are more likely. It says there are more to be delivered by 2017. Additionally, Germany is said to have known about Israel's nuclear weapons program since 1961. Israel's alleged capability to outfit the subs with nuclear weapons was not previously known. Well, it doesn't take uh, much to, to figure out what they want them for. A spokesman for the Israeli Foreign Ministry told the AP news agency that it was no secret that Israel had German submarines. As for the rest, said Yigal Palmer, I'm not in a position to talk about their capacity. And um, it says that um, Stefan Siebert, the spokesman for German Chancellor for, of Angela Merkel, said the submarines were delivered unarmed. Well, neither was this go around in circles telling you all what you already know. And, of course, they never uh, will admit to anything, and that's quite natural in all militaries, I suppose. And, of course, the, the Queen had her big jubilee thing, too. You know, the Queen, uh, just astonishing. Uh, when you see all the, the, the wealth that goes out to give them a big celebration uh, in a country that <laughs> should be under the water now, not just with the masses of immigration they brought in purposely, but also with the masses of debt that's also come in. Uh, I'm surprised that they could uh, fork this kind of cash out. But, again, it's, the taxpayers are awfully handy. Uh, they've done this for centuries in places like Britain. Now, this other article, too, is quite interesting, too. It says, um, it says things we forgot to remember. And it's from a series, a television series on BBC. It says, Michael Portillo remembers the Morgenthau plan, which aimed to strip post-war Germany of its industry and turn it into an agricultural country. It was replaced eventually by the Marshall Plan of, of lease lending and all the rest of it. But that, that was true. They, I've got the old books through. They were written during World War II with the group that the U.S. assigned to come up with the ideas of how they would put Germany down and keep it down right down to partitioning it during World War II, but partitioning it, especially Berlin, between the Soviets and themselves, in order to destroy any memory and vestige of what the Nazi philosophy system was all about, and even what its beefs were to get it started in the first place. So it was to be totally and utterly destroyed and totally deindustrialized, uh, part of that was done because the Soviets were allowed to come in and strip whole factories and reassemble them inside the Soviet Union, which they did. And uh, uh, But it didn't go all the way that, that, as they had planned. 
by the Marshall Plan. It says, May I remember the Marshall Plan, the U.S. government to rebuild post-war Europe. Far less is known about the Morgenthau Plan, also drawn up in Washington a few years earlier, which aimed, amongst other things, to destroy German industry after the country had surrendered. Winston Churchill also signed up, also sent to the plan which would turn Germany into an agrarian pastoral society, unable to manufacture the machinery of warfare in the future. As is Michael Portillo examines the Morgenthau plan and discovers it was in fact drafted by a Soviet agent, well, what else, of course, working high up in the US administration, that's fairly normal. He considers the implication of this, looks at how far the plan was implemented, and that's why we have forgotten to remember it. Um, probably because we're still paying for it too. That's why they want us all to forget it. Because everything they've done in the past, we're still paying for it. Too. We're still paying for World War Two. Compound interest. I hope you realise that. And uh, I'll put this link up tonight from BBC Radio, and you can actually listen to it. And uh, it is interesting for those history buffs who want to know what actually happened and how we got to where we are. And Remember, too, that any plan they draft up for any country can be done anywhere in the world. That ties in, remember, with what Britain was doing to its own people because they planned at the end of World War II to de-industrialize Britain as well. And that's where your European Union uh, actually got its start in that whole idea, the agency that was set up to de-industrialize Britain. They were still de-industrializing it through the 70s and the 80s, most depressing times of nothing but layoffs by the thousands every day that he turned on television, uh, suicides galore, and they would not tell the public that this was an actually, uh, that their, their own tax money was paying for, to, to close down their factories and move them off to China, just like the WTO did for Canada and the US and so on. We don't live in a totally different reality from the junk they turn out to you as news. We really, really do. I hope you all catch on to that. But it's worthwhile listening to this to see how they had it all figured out, right down to the schooling system, how they would basically uh, effeminize the males, especially during when this was said they'd do, and make them all agrarian farmers, and uh, big, big plans for a whole nation. And uh, this article here, too, is it's called The Blockbuster Scam. It's surprising where you're getting ripped off by Hollywood. Well, nothing surprises me about Hollywood. Does it surprise you? This is for his work on the Hollywood blockbuster. The Avengers actor Robert Downey Jr. will make somewhere in the ballpark of $50 million. His co-stars Mark Ruffalo, Samuel L. Jackson, and Scarlett Johansson are also slated to make millions of dollars each for their respective portrayals of Marvel superheroes. Of course, paydays are high. That high uh, are much easier for a studio to stomach, in this case, Marvel Studios, which is part of the Walt Disney Company, when they come after a film and it has made more than $1 million at the global box office, as has the Avengers. But taxpayers should pause when they find out that they covered some of the cost of making the smash hit, sending free money to a huge multinational corporation at a time of economic distress. The budget from the Avengers was a hefty $220 million, but a portion was defrayed by $22 million in subsidies that Marvel received from the state of New Mexico. Much of the film was shot at various locations around Albuquerque, New Mexico, and the state has decided to provide a 25% rebate for any film or television production done within its borders. So even your own you know, states and so on are, and governments are involved in the show business using your cash. I'll put that little link up too. Nothing really new about it. Again, happens all over the place. I also want to put up Obama's secret kill list. 
And this is Andrew Napolitano, Wax BHO, for weekly decisions to order specific deaths. Uh, it's quite amazing living in this day and age, too, and yet you've got a, a, a government that doesn't go by any lawful agreements, such as, such as a constitution. They just make it up as they go along and pretend they don't have. When you've you got this hap- thing, kind of thing happening, you do have a lawless government, you understand. A lawless government can do anything that they want uh, to anybody that they want, including all of you. And they do. Anyway, as this article here says, um, his most recent book is, Is It Dangerous to Be Right When the Government Is Wrong? To find more about Judge Napolitano, and to read features by other creators, syndicate writers and cartoonists, visit, and it gives you the link here. I'll put this up tonight, and you can scroll through it. It says, the leader of the government regularly sits down with his senior generals and spies and advisors and reviews a list of the people they want him to authorize their agents to kill. They do this every Tuesday morning when the leader is in town. The leader once condemned any practice even close to this, but now relishes the killing because he has convinced himself that it's a, it's a sane and sterile way to keep his country safe and himself in power. The leader who is running for re-election even invited his campaign manager to join the group that decides whom to kill. This is not from a work of science fiction, and it's not describing a sea of, of events in the Kremlin or Beijing or Pyongyang. It is a fair summary of a 6,000-word investigative report in the New York Times earlier this week about the White House of Barack Obama. Two Times journalists, Joe Becker and Scott Shane, painstakingly and chillingly report that the former lecturer in constitutional law and liberal senator who railed against torture and Gitmo now weekly reviews a secret kill list personally decides who should be killed and then dispatches killers all over the world, and some of his killers have killed Americans. We have known for some time that President Obama is waging a private war, but I mean he's using the CIA on his own and not the military after congressional authorization to fire drones at thousands of persons in foreign lands, usually while they are riding in a car or a truck. He's done this both with the consent and over the objection of the governments of the countries in which he has killed. He doesn't want to talk about this, but he doesn't deny it. How chilling is it that David Axelrod, the president's campaign manager, has periodically seen the secret kill list? Might this be to keep the killings politically secret? Uh, can the president legally do this? It says in a word, no. The president cannot lawfully order the killing of anyone except according to the Constitution and federal law. Under the Constitution, you can only kill using the military when the U.S. has been attacked or when an attack is so imminent and certain that delay would cost innocent American lives or in pursuit of a congressional declaration of war. Under federal law, he can only order killing using civilians when a person has been sentenced lawfully to death by a federal court and a jury verdict and the death sentence have been upheld on appeal. If he uses the military to kill, federal law requires public reports of its use to Congress and the congressional approval after 180 days. So the U.S. has not declared war since World War II. If the president knows that an attack on our shores is imminent, he'd be hard-pressed to argue convincingly that a guy in a truck in a desert 10,000 miles from here, no matter his intentions, poses a threat to the U.S. so imminent and certain that he needs to be killed on the spot in order to save the lives of Americans, who would surely die during the time it would take to declare war on the country that harbors him, or during the time it would take to arrest him. Under no circumstances may he uh, use civilian agents for non-judicial killing. 
Uh, actually, part of this is started with uh, the project for New American Century, which is still on the go, and it's the same guys actually buying the scenes running Obama. But uh, they actually uh, had debates at the time about it when Bush was in, and they took the first strike uh, approach because they copied Israel's rules and laws. Israel, if they suspect anybody's coming after them or maybe talking nasty about them, uh, can go after them completely uh, all-out scale, a full-scale war. So that became basically written into this this uh, parallel this uh, 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 set of rules that uh, seems to go around the Constitution and allows them to kill wherever they want, when they want, and to whomever they want. When you live in a country like that, you should be very, very afraid because it also means that the same people can go after any one of you inside your own country just for bad-mouthing somebody. And I'm not kidding about that at all. When societies collapse, you also understand when empires start falling, this is the sort of nonsense you see as they start becoming utterly paranoid at the top, trying to maintain a power uh, that gets out of hand, and they have their own killers inside your own country, bumping folk off left, right, and center. You'll hear 10 years down the road, or probably 15 years down the road, of all the Americans they've killed inside America during this period. Eventually will come out under freedom of information, but by that time no one will care, you see. And they'll do it in many different ways, falling out of buildings, um, something dropped into their coffee in a restaurant, uh, hit and runs galore. That's, that's very, very common. And uh, that's what happens all the time. And it's easy to, to kill off thousands of people that way in a country the size of the USA with a population that size. So anyway, it says, since 9-11, the U.S. government has set up national security systems that functions not under the Constitution, not under the Geneva Conventions, not under the rule of law, nor under the rules of war, uh, not under federal law, but under a new secret system crafted by the Bush administration. That was the same uh, first strike uh, Israeli plan. And personally directed by Obama, the same Obama who condemned these rulers as senators, uh, and as, as, as these rules as senator and then extended them as president in the name of fighting demons and pickup trucks and wars that Congress has never declared the government shreds our rights or t- uh, taps our cell phones reads our emails kills innocents abroad strips such as 87 year old grandmas in wheelchairs and 3 year old babies in the mother's arms and offers secrecy when the law requires accountability Obama has argued that his careful consideration of each person he orders killed and the narrow use of deadly force are an adequate and constitutional substitute for due process. And since the Constitution provides for no such thing, he has also argued that the use of drones to do his killing is humane since they are surgical and only kill their targets and everybody else around the target, of course. Uh, and plus, they're also sending in uh, drones half an hour later when people try to go up and find out who's left alive, just villagers, and they get blown up too. We know that this is incorrect, and he's argued that these killings are consistent with our values. What's he talking about? The essence of our values is the rule of law, not the rule of precedence. But I don't think it's even the president. I think there's another outside entity involved in all of it, don't you? DNA-destroying chip being embedded into mobile phones, it says. According to Dr. Boyan Alexandrov at the Center for Nonlinear Studies at the Los Alamos National Laboratory in New Mexico, terahertz waves destroy human DNA. The waves literally unzip the helix strand. Now a team of technologists at the UT Dallas are planning to take chips broadcasting THZ waves 
uh, terahertz waves and embed them into mobile phones for using as an imaging system for consumers, law enforcement and medical personnel, a potential deadly technology that could eventually kill or sicken millions of people. But that's the way it's supposed to be now. We get sickened and killed off and die down and sterile and so on, isn't it? The controversial terahertz scanner technology used by the TSA at many of the nation's airports is being adapted for cell phone use. Studies of terahertz radiation have caused experts to raise alarm over the significant health risk to humans. Well, when it can literally unzip the helix strands of the the DNA, then I'd, I'd say it's a problem. And it says, um, it says, recently the major media touted the new chip that permits the adaption of the terahertz generating device to be embedded into cellular phones. Oh, everybody will want one. Everybody will want one, regardless. And uh, it's got to have it, you know. And it says, as a price of seeing through walls a grisly death, the excited press painted grand pictures of such technology being used by consumers to see through walls and objects while Health professionals like physicians might incorporate technology to seek out small tumors inside patients without the need for invasive surgery. Of course, they always put the pluses before the the lethal stuff they tell you. The the terahertz wave located between microwave and infrared on the electromagnetic spectrum was chosen for security devices because it penetrates matters such as clothing, wood, paper, and other porous material that's non-conducting. At the time, experts are said to have believed this type of radiation was harmless. Well, they always say that because they lie, eh? They lie. And since the terahertz uh, radiation does unzip the DNA molecule, it won't matter. All the youngsters will want this to see through everybody's clothing. So they make sure that they know that first off. Oh, you can see through folks' clothing with this stuff. Oh, I've got to get that i got to get that. Then they'll end up with cancers. There are some lemmings you cannot help. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix and another thing too I hate reading about because it's such a, such nonsense, but uh, we're run by nonsense. Most of the media is nonsense, to be honest with you. But to do with the baby boomers, that came out around the 50s and 60s and they, they kept talking about, oh, there's going to be a lot of old folk around the year 2010 or so and 2012 and all that kind of stuff. So they have to always go by statistics. You understand? Governments run by statistics. It doesn't matter if they're all fudged and wrong. It's just like carbon statistics. See my idea? It doesn't matter. They stick with them. It's the only thing that gives them any kind of authority. It's like, it's like magicians and that's their magic, you see. And, and they can't admit they're wrong about something. But they howled and howled and howled about the coming baby boomers becoming old and how we're going to cope with all the sick folk. They just knew they were going to all be sick, mind you. Because you see, that was the first generation that got all stapped full of injections, like, like porcupines, just stapped full of them. And uh, they knew they were going to start bringing them down sick a long time ago. They had meetings about it before that, uh, world meetings, by the way, to bring down the population. They said they'd bring the West down by, by slow, debilitating diseases. And that's why they gave us all injections. Anyway, it's just, this article here is typical of the nonsense here. Canada, apparently there was never any elderly people on the planet before. You, you know, they never had elderly people. 
Canada's population of seniors is higher than ever before thanks to the nation's aging cohort of baby boomers, the latest, latest census data reveals. Now, these are the same uh, papers and government statistics, too, that tell us at the same time uh, that um, we need to get more immigrants in because the people haven't had enough children at home. So listen to the, all the double speak through this one. It says, just as demographic experts had predicted, the 2011 survey released Tuesday shows the population of people over the age of 65 has ballooned and is expected to keep growing. Moving forward, imagine that old folk, that's folk turning old all the time. Did you know that? Did you, did you really know that? Moving forward, this massive influx of seniors is expected to influence policy decisions related to hot-button topics ranging from health care to pensions. Because they've all paid into the pension schemes, and now they're getting told off they work till they're 67, and they'll probably put it up to 70. So I'd, I'd say that it's definitely going to be of interest to them. Simultaneously, Canada's seen about an 11% increase in babies and toddlers between 2006 and 2011. The swell of children aged four and younger marks the most notable burst of growth since the post-war baby boom. But it's much, much like the States, though, because in the States, you see, most of the, the bursts there are coming from people, immigrants, who still like having children and things like, what's it called, marriage, I think, and they have children. That's what happens. And same in Canada. For the first time in 50 years, the number of children in this age bracket grew in every part of the country. Alberta accounted for the biggest increase in youngsters, followed by Saskatchewan and Quebec. Despite the apparent resurgence of, of children across Canada, like it just disappeared, you see. The, the latest uh, census findings were dominated by statistics about seniors and a momentous flood of people heading out of the workforce and into retirement. How dare they take their pensions when the government needs it so badly? Canada's senior, senior population, classified as being over 65 years, has grown 14.1% since last count and now stands at nearly 5 million people, a number that's expected to climb as a younger edge of the baby boomer wave ages. At the same time, demographer David Foote notes that numbers of Canada's senior population are leading lives that are longer and healthier than their predecessors. Absolute rot. Absolute rot. It's not just older folk who are crippled by diseases now. And, and I'm talking about older, like 50 is old now, you know. You're also youngsters with juvenile arthritis who never has heard before the injections. So I'll put this rubbishy article up uh, from the statisticians who, who you know, live on statistics. Just a matter if they're true or not, they'll, they, they would knock you all off, wipe you all out, just to try and keep the statistics correct. You know, they're, they're sums of things. I'll put this up tonight as well. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.